Hey, good evening, everyone. I am Austin from Life, Love, and Pursuit of Pi. And I'm Greg. And today we have special guest, Scott. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Always. So, you know, let's let's begin with, you know, Phi, right? Like, we all know Phi. We all know what Phi is. How how did you find Phi? So, um, growing up, I've, I've had a I've had a job, a gig of some sort, pretty much ever since I was fifteen. I'm thirty three now, and uh, those first jobs were, you know, whatever would hire a fifteen year old to get some pocket money. I never worked in food service, but I grew up in Utah, and Utah has a lot of, or at least did at the time, had a lot of call centers. So I ended up doing incoming calls outgoing calls, sales calls, support calls, all sorts of stuff. So you get to develop your customer service. You get to talk to all walks of life. And most of them don't want to be talking to you. I'm going to be quite honest. (laughs) Uh, I developed a relationship with work in general that was a little bit pessimistic from an early age. Um, uh, It it, uh, came in the the form of, you know, this is is uh, something I do to be able to pursue the things that I love and want to do. And so uh, when I went to school, I ended up uh, getting a degree in something I'm passionate about, uh, uh, film production. Um, and meanwhile, I needed, I needed a laptop upgrades that I could not afford. I needed to optimize a computer in a way that could, could deliver the performance while I'm doing edits and I'm doing effects and things like that. And I, I needed to be frugal. So it all started with frugality, uh, being able to buy the tools that you need to pursue your, your, your passions. And then it became, oh, wait, if you can optimize a computer to do things, that means you at least understood a little bit what a computer is about. So I ended up getting a job in IT. And basically, I've been on that track ever since. Uh, got a job at 17 years old, moved on from there. Uh, Worked at my university until a couple years after I, I uh, uh, after I graduated. Worked in the film industry. Long story short, I I developed a set of skills early on that um, that meant that I was more and more exchanging what I know for money. And what I realized was that I'm pretty good at researching. If I if I have a need, I can figure out how to get that thing. Uh, for the most part, and uh, or or attain goals, and eventually I started asking the question of like, I see people that are, you know, influencers or have blogs at the time. This is around like 2011, 2012, and they're making a full living doing what they love. And I decided to look into kind of what would be kind of proto. Uh, influencers and realizing quickly <laughs> that might not be for me. It seemed like eventually you were kind of like monetizing what you love. So I started looking at how do you retire early? And this was about 2012, 2013, a peak Mr. Money Mustache. Uh, I found a subreddit and it, at the time, you know, a, a, a small section of Reddit. And at the time it only had like I would say 20,000 users or something like that. It's now one and a half million today. FI's grown quite a bit. But 
I didn't know anything about investing. I didn't know anything about how to um, how to solve this particular problem. And uh, people like Mr. Money Mustache, uh, the Mad Scientist, uh, people like that uh, ended up leaving great breadcrumbs for building kind of like a, a foundation for early retirement. And I remember like the main the main article on. Uh, Mr. Money Mustache's website was uh, was the the shockingly simple math behind early retirement. So at the time I was married, and my I I talked to my spouse about this and about how if we just optimize for a little bit, we can do what we want to do, which was travel. And uh, what what ended up being the case was that uh, you know saving an entire decent salary in California, um, one in IT salary and one uh, school administrator. And next thing we knew, we were, you know, our portfolio ended up growing by, I want to say, more than a person's salary every year, plus gains. Um, and uh, that was really transformative because it felt like um, after you graduate from college, I don't know if you guys identify with this. Um, you graduate from college and they, they, and this whole time, your entire life career, ever since you were five years old, you knew what you were doing the next year. And it was a new grade. Like you were working at, you were going to be working on first grade and then sixth grade and then high school and all these things. And once you get through your college degree, it's pretty much like, it's what you make of it. Whether that's going into what you got a degree in or, or, um, or deciding to take a gap year, or deciding to start a business, or what have you. And um, F5 kind of became the new, you know, structure that I could base my life around. And initially, that structure was really strict, very regimented. It's loosened up over time. Okay. Wow, that's fantastic. That was a very long answer to that question. <laughs> I think I was <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean... You know, there's a lot of history there, right? Yeah. Would you change any part of it if you could? You know, um, I mean, there's always kind of stuff attached to, you know, life circumstance, life's twists and turns. Uh, but in all honesty, I probably would have um, not much. I, I wish I had started sooner. Uh, I got I got started with uh, FI around like 24. Uh, and... Uh, because I was intimidated by, you know, investing, things like that. Um, I even delayed like three or four months putting money into my 401k uh, when I had it as an option because I was like, I don't know. We, I, is anyone from my generation actually going to retire? Like, what's, what's the point of this? I, I graduated into the economic crisis in 2008. Um, so that you get a little, you get a little bit um, cynical. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one thing that, you know, kind of lit a fire, you know, pardon the pun, uh, for me was just realizing um, that you can, you can unlock with a little bit of, with a little bit of discipline, you can unlock a lot of joy in life by virtue of kind of removing money. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really um, fascinating to think about like all the twists and turns that life has brought to you and um, 
to answer your question, I, I don't think I, I could change anything and not, uh, and not be giving up some major part of where I am today. Okay. Now, given that, are, are you still working? Or are you currently retired? I'm still working. So uh, recently I, uh, I left a job that I've been at for 10 years uh, consistently. I've been doing side gigs and things like that, but I had this baseline of this gig at a, uh, in, in education um, as a uh, IT administrator. And uh, yeah, that, uh, that was fantastic. It was a lovely place to, to spend that time. But uh, at a certain point, you, you got to realize you, you got to grow. Right now, I'm running a consultancy and, and working for a consultancy as well. Nice. Um, for those who are younger who might be listening, you know, what, or for those who <clears throat> are just now finding Fi, what, what resources would you recommend to kind of help people get on their way? So a lot of, so here's the thing is that I've had people ask me, and I'm sure you guys identify with this, uh, peers that have been like, I don't know anything about money. Austin, you seem to know a lot about money. Greg, you seem to know a lot about money. What, 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 what do we do next? What, what, how do I, what are some easy steps? And you always kind of have to ask, you know, what are your goals? Um, if your, if your goal is to buy a house, that's a different goal than, you know, saving for early retirement possibly, or what have you. Um, I like, I like showing someone who asks that question, the um, three by five note card. If you guys are familiar I think I've seen like I've seen it before. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's a <clears throat> it's a, a financial analyst that basically wrote down on a three by five note card like it's like seven bullet points, and it basically is you know the bucket method for FI. It includes you know a little bit of social justice in terms of supporting social safety nets. It includes uh, a lot on on a three by five note card. <laughs> And if they can't handle the note card, then maybe they're not ready for the next stuff. Um, but I tend to send them a picture of that and go like, do this. Uh, it suggests index funds. It suggests, also, in fact, I'll bring it up one second. Nine simple money rules all on one index card. Should I list them off? Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Max your 401k or equivalent employee contribution. Next. Buy inexpensive, well-diversified mutual funds or index funds, such as the Vanguard Target 20X funds. Uh, not, never buy or sell an individual stock or security. Uh, the person on the other side of the table knows so much more about, about this stuff than you do. Um, they, they recommend save 20% of your money. That's usually a lot more palatable than just saying, uh, I save half of what I make. A lot of people, their eyes bug out when I say that. Um, gotta, gotta ease them into that one. <laughs> Pay your credit card balance in full every month. Maximize tax advantage savings by using a Roth, SEP, 529 accounts. If you don't know what those are, they're relatively, uh, re uh, relatively easy to Google. Um, pay attention to fees and avoid actively managed funds. Uh, Get a financial advisor who's a fiduciary, meaning they have a a uh, uh, a mandate to be serving your best interest uh, when they work with you, not not sell you something. Um, promote social insurance programs to help people when things go wrong. 
And that's it. It all fits on a three by five note card. And it says so much. Um, there will be some Googling. Obviously, there's some keywords in there. But honestly, I've, I've had multiple friends turn their financial life around by virtue of just, you know, saving that 20% off the top. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, like, I think that the knowledge is there, but you have to be willing to go find it. You know, you have to be willing to put in the work to actually, like, want to change your life. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I was, was going to get into, you know, your personal journey. How, how has living in a high-cost living area, if you ever have, affected that journey? So I, I, I do live in a very high-cost-of-living area. I live in Los Angeles, um, and I have my entire FI journey. And there are ways to mitigate and take advantage of a very high-cost-of-living area in order to maximize your your savings uh maximize your happiness as well because it's really easy to make yourself miserable in an area like this um uh because you know you can make a lot of uh justifications for you know buying and buying or renting in a bad chunk of town that will affect you in your daily life um one thing that i appreciate about um living in an area like this is that there's, there's a good version of any food or there's a great way to get any uh, ingredients you might have. And uh, there's little enclaves of, of different cultures. You can have Korea town or you can have uh, 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 Filipino town, things like that. And they'll all have kind of their, not only their own prepared cuisine in the form of restaurants, but they'll also have, great little markets that are designed for that culture specifically. And usually the price is a lot lower than you find anywhere else. Um, and so I'd say shop, uh, shop frugal. Uh, uh, we have access to Aldi here. Aldi's fantastic for being able to keep a budget uh, really well. Um, as far as living situation goes, which is usually the main expense for people here um honestly i i'd say uh, don't be afraid of having a roommate even even if you're even if you're you know further along in life than than you might think a, a roommate makes a huge difference uh if you find the right person that fits in your lifestyle um because that person not only is contributing to you know the chores or contributing to you know watching pets or plants um they're also someone you can rely on if you lock yourself out of the house or things like that. And in addition to that, they're effectively probably going to contribute what amounts to a part-time job for most people to their rent, to your rent rather. Um, and so even if you have a, a, a person that is a challenge, which my, my, my roommate is a delight. Um, uh, even if you have someone that's challenging, you can ask yourself, you know, how much, how much stress did I spend on this, this month? Uh, did, was it one hour? Well, look at the hourly rate versus what you <laughs> look at the, the, the stress versus the, the contribution and the value added. Um, uh, yeah. So that's something I've taken advantage of. Uh, California is kind of interesting in that we, uh, it's very car based, uh, especially the LA area. And, uh, 
one thing that can increase stress a lot is uh, being stuck in traffic. Um, and I've been, um, this is not for everyone. Again, I've been an avid motorcyclist my entire life. Um, and so in California, you can, you know, one, it's, it's a 70 mile per gallon vehicle. And for two, you can actually kind of, you know, legally uh, ride through traffic and get to where you need to go in a reasonable amount of time without wasting a bunch of, a bunch of gas, time, stress. But again, that's not for everyone. You have to find what fits you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you've been a motorcyclist your entire life. What kind of sparked that interest in motorcycles? Um, Terminator 2. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember seeing I remember seeing the the LA River scene with uh with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh and uh the the T1000 and and young John Con- Connor and and like just seeing that 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 Harley like do that jump into the LA River. I was just like I want one. I want one. <laughs> Uh, at one point, like like uh, Arnold does a uh, like he he like spins a shotgun with one hand in order to reload it to like cock it. I'm just like that is the coolest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it was uh, honestly it was a little bit of like teenage rebellion. My parents kept saying, like, you know, you can you can get you can get a motorcycle when you're out of the house, and uh, that probably expedited me getting out of the house a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Have you have you taken any adventures on your motorcycle that you want to speak to? I have, I have. Uh, this was um, so uh, I I've been working with my my gig for a long time. I have a great relationship with my boss, uh, and at a certain point, uh, about I want to say a year ago now, I I, I told him, hey, um, a little bit burnt out at work. Um, I know when the stressful parts of the year are as far as <laughs> the tasks associated with my job and I would like to take January to March off. You don't have to pay me. Just assure me that I'll have a job at the end and I'll prep whatever you need. And they went for it. They actually said yes. So um, this was mid still pandemic lockdown and I had booked a trip to Morocco and uh, doing dual sport riding across the Moroccan desert. And I booked this and I was so stoked. And literally 24 hours later, <laughs> Morocco closed their borders um, to all like any traffic, even from Spain. And uh, I went, oh, well, OK, I'm, I better get a refund on that. Um, and then when I did, I went, what place doesn't close? What place can I ride my bike to that will never close and I can get a little bit of adventure in? And uh, since I'm in L.A., uh, Mexico seemed like the best option. Um, so uh, there's a bunch of resources for people that are doing motorcycle road trips. Uh, there's uh, a website called Horizons Unlimited that'll talk about insurance and what to bring and you know how to get over like the, well, I'll do it later. Um, the trepidation of kind of getting on the road and, and, and putting yourself out there in that way. So I use that as a resource. Uh, talk to people that do long distance international motorcycle trips. And uh, then I hit up a website called Bunka Biker. Uh, that's kind of like uh, people can post, hey, I'll, I'll you know, you, you can put up a tent in my backyard or I, I can offer you a shower or what have you. 
uh, for free. Uh, and it's all about goodwill. So I booked a few bunker bikers and I started sell. Um, stayed with some fantastic people and uh, found a route online to, uh, because I was so scared because Mexico, you think Mexico you know, equals danger. That's what you see on the news. Um, but for the most part, I, I didn't see that many people. Honestly, I, I, I was, I was off road the whole time. Uh, I found a route, uh, that was posted online called the, the, uh, Baja discovery route. And it kind of gave you each day, you know, a waypoint and you put it into your GPS and you have an, a hard route and an easy route. And I started out with the hard routes and never turned, never, never did anything else. Uh, because I, 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 into off-road motorcycling at this point. Nice. So what part of Mexico did you ultimately end up in? So I, I went down uh, the entire peninsula of Baja over the course of two months. Um, and what that looked like was, you know, me, motorcycle, you know, riding jeans, some riding boots, stuff like that, um, and uh, a bit of motocross gear. And uh, a bag, kind of a dry bag, strapped to the back of the bike. I don't have hard bags. Um, that look like they look like uh, aluminum boxes. I don't. I, I use the soft, soft bags. Um, and uh, maybe I can uh, send you guys some photos or something. I posted in the notes. Um, but uh, one one thing that was fantastic was just being, you know, pick a route, any, any number of routes, and if you don't make it that day, it's okay. You said I already had camping gear that was set up for long distance backpacking. So it was very light. And um, if you don't make it to your destination by dark, you just find an off the road way, uh, uh, like a little spot under a tree or something like that. Or in my case, it was private beaches more often than not. Completely deserted beaches. Um, set up your tent and park the bike and just sleep under the stars because the climate was beautiful in, in February and January down there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was really wonderful uh, getting to challenge yourself and also just not really having a plan. Um, and also, you know, r really getting to see some out of the way spots of, of Mexico and, and meet people that aren't used to the tourists. And so they're not, mm -hmm. they're not thinking, Oh, another, another gringo. They're thinking, Oh, why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> Inspiring that okay. question means that you're doing it right. In my opinion. <laughs> so speaking of how is your Spanish? Awful. <laughs> no, I, I, I use Google. Translate. There's a, Google Translate has a wonderful uh, offline mode um, where you can you can just put in text and it'll it'll get a pretty good approximation. You can't talk into it, but you can definitely enter in text, and that that's uh, a huge difference. Mi español es no bueno. No bueno. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even get that out honestly. My and I was told my accent was atrocious when I tried, so that's not. <laughs> Oh uh, man, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I travel to Mexico a lot, and definitely like I have some friends who live there. So it's it's just trying like. And your Spanish is still awful. I know, I know. I honestly, I do Scott's method sometimes. It's like I use Google Translate whenever I need help. I'm like Google's got my back. Hey, well, gotta uh, get on that Duolingo. 
<laughs> Everyone knows that uh, Austin's fourth language is uh, is is Spanish. Uh, his first language is uh, dance, and his second language is lovemaking. <laughs> the third sarcasm. <laughs> English is somewhere in there. Yeah, so yeah, it's not that it's not the handless. <laughs> oh man, so you're are you cur- you're still currently in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, I'm in LA. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking off on a plane in a little bit. I, I had my last day at uh, at the school uh, yesterday, and uh, I'll I'll be doing remote work from now on. Nice. So what what does that look like for you? Where are you going? Tax arbitrage. <laughs> Uh, okay, nice. So, so uh, I'm 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 working with a company that's based out of California. But as long as you're it, um, so so the way the taxation works is it depends on where you physically are uh, because uh, there's a there's a rule for some states called the convenience rule. I think mm-hmm. New York, Delaware, Connecticut, commuter states uh, where you might work in New York but you live in Connecticut, for instance, they have reciprocity on their taxes. But uh, California, thankfully, does not have that. So you can make a California salary and then take that to a very low cost of living area, like, for instance, Tennessee, uh, which is kind of my my destination at the moment. Awesome. That's fantastic. More bike trips down to Mexico? Oh, 100%. Anytime I can. Uh, One one of the nice things about Mexico, it's it's in the same time zones as as the U.S. Um, you're, you're, You're basically, you know, on the same time schedule as working remote. And if you do it right, you can go on your adventures on the weekend and be in a hotel during the middle of the week. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I, I now work in an office. Um, I've actually recently switched jobs. So we'll have to, you know, link up on the weekend and go riding together sometime. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I'll either have to come to Tennessee or you'll have to come to Charlotte. Uh, if you come to Charlotte, I can offer free housing. Ooh. So, yeah, um, but we can take that offline later. So, yeah, we'll, we'll negotiate. Tennessee, we'll, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, don't worry, <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with something. Yeah, um, Tennessee. Have you ever? So, you've driven through Mexico, ridden your motorcycle through Mexico. Have you taken your motorcycle through Canada? I've not. I've never been to Canada yet. I've been to thirty-eight countries. I've never been to Canada. I've been, to, I've been to all. I've been to all of the uh, all, all of Central America, most of Western Europe, on a motorcycle, in fact, and and never never once made it to Canada. So that's that's a big one. Um, I'd love to do the ride to Alaska at some point. Okay, nice. So from here, you know, would you say that you're pursuing more coast fi, regular fi, or like fat fire? So. I I am at Coast Fi. I could kind of do a barista FI, um, but honestly, the markets are down, and I, I I decided this is the moment. This is the moment to push on salary, uh, push on you know side gigs, uh, bump bump the primary income as much as possible. Because uh, frankly, downturns like this are it's easy to forget oh, I wish the market would take a dump. And then the market takes a dump and everyone freaks out and doesn't feel like participating. Um, this, this is an opportunity, in all honesty, because the, the, the world economy, it's, it's stumbling right now, but it's no less overall productive than it, or the fundamentals haven't really changed that much. And so when, when you think about, oh, I wish I'd gotten into Tesla 
or I wish I'd gotten into the S&P 500 when it was, you know, half as much uh, five years ago. Um, uh, all of that is available to you right now. It just, you know, you just have to have kind of a, a conviction that the that the market will recover. And I believe wholeheartedly that there might be a dip from here, um, but uh, it's it's the fundamentals are still good. Okay, nice. So when you hit, if, let me rephrase that, when you decide to kind of co-spy or fire regular, what what is your post-fire retirement looking like? So that's, you know, that that's a little bit contingent on, you know, if I'm if I'm partnered at the time, if I'm if I'm deciding to go you know, solo for a bit. It, it, it really depends on what life looks like at that point, uh, because I'm never going to, you know, make decisions without taking into account my significant other. Um, but, uh, for right now, uh, uh, I, I bought a property in, in, in Tennessee. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm prioritizing, uh, getting out there. Um, uh, I bought, you know, five, six acres in a nice gated community for less than a nice sedan, uh, in 2017 and, uh, have been kind of watching my trees grow for the last little bit on, on visits. Um, and I'd love to put a, I'd love to put a, a house there. Um, I'm a little bit nervous with some of the political stuff that's going on with, um, you know, uh, the Supreme court at the moment to be not to get political, but, uh, um, yeah, it's 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 been my dream to have a nice secluded spot that's where I can be, you know, energy independent, uh, have a nice internet connection, live amongst the trees, and uh, and but still be within you know twenty minutes of decent sushi. Um, so <laughs> nice. so yeah, that's 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 kind of you know the dream right now. Um, that might change depending on how politics go, but. Uh, and another thing that I'm I'm working on right now is um, I found out a while ago that uh, I was eligible for Italian citizenship uh, through uh, the uh, it's called Ure Sanguinis. It's it's uh, it's um, citizenship by blood. Um, uh, Italy has a really liberal policy toward that, where uh, if you can prove that you have an ancestor after 1861 when Italy formed as a country, who uh, 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 basically as an ancestor that continued the citizenship down the line, you are by, by right of birth, uh, uh, a citizen of, of Italy and therefore the EU, which is very useful. Um, uh, the EU as we know has great social programs. You get access to healthcare, you get access to, you know, uh, your heritage and, and being able to stay for longer than six months in the Schengen zone. Um, which is their kind of uh, immigration zone to uh, to um, kind of standardize uh, visas. Um, so one thing I'm excited about is to get an EU passport and uh, hopefully be able to either be based out of there or or travel extensively uh, within the EU. That's fantastic. Yeah, that would I hope, be amazing. I hope we get that opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is like, it, it's worth, if you have any inkling that you have a, a relative who was an Italian citizen when they had kids in whatever country you're in, um, it's, it's very possible that you might have 
Italian citizenship from a distant relative that you didn't even know about. I did well, the little, for I, all those... yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I did the little genetic test, honestly, uh, the, the like 23 and me or something like that. My family got them all for Christmas and it turned out I was like 4% Italian <laughs> or something. Like that. <laughs> mm. But I qualify for this, so I'm still going for it. <laughs> Hey, See, if you can get it. <laughs> this is called an Italian citizenship. Yes. 100%. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. So your investing path, is it the regular VTSAX and chill, or is it a different approach? Um, it's it, it's VTSAX and, and, and chill. It's... um. Honestly, that's that's kind of my baseline. That's just you know throw money at it and forget about it. Um, uh, but uh, when I have extra cash or if I'm in a Roth where I expect expect big gains on something like that, I, I am very bullish on uh, a, a certain famous EV maker. Um, uh, I've been paying attention to them for you know quite a few years. I've owned one of their cars. I I, I, I like I like like it quite a bit. And so uh, that's probably the only oh, it's the Chevy, right? Yeah, it's the Chevy. Chevy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I want a Ford Lightning so bad. Um, uh, no, 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 no cap. They're really fantastic. Uh, they look, they look really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, I uh, was once interested in in joining a few, uh, in like becoming a worker at, for instance, like SpaceX or something like that, because I think there's a future in you know this company, and also they're privately held and might go public at some point that that might be worth a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty boring with my, with my investments. And honestly, I, I kind of just appreciate, you know, getting what the S and P 500 has to offer. And, uh, and, uh, it feels kind of good to also invest in something where every, every worker for these large companies, every executive, everyone, everyone's kind of like rowing in your direction, and you're getting the the kind of average of that, and uh, that's that that feels like a, a good investment strategy if you don't feel like being too active. Yeah, I, I agree. From from all your travels, what would you say is like one of your most memorable trips? Oh goodness, I spent I spent three three weeks with my ex uh, riding across Western Europe, um, uh, motorcycle road trip, thirteen countries. It was. It was amazing. Um, staying in uh, uh, wouldn't be a B and B. It would be. It's called an agroturismo in in Italy. Uh, it's basically like a winery that also you know acts as a bed and breakfast. Um, it, Italy was just wonderful. Um, uh, this recent trip with, uh, into Mexico was fantastic. I met nothing but lovely people. Uh, ended up only spending about. $800 across two months because, you know, people would invite me into my, into their homes after, you know, a polite conversation. Um, wow. yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, uh, people ask me if I, there's a, if there was a scary moment, uh, south of the border. And the only one I could think of was, um, I, I had been riding down the coast, uh, in a, on a beach north of La Paz and, uh, Sun was going down. It was beautiful. It was like 
horse this uh, this horse had been riding like alongside me and stuff like that it was the most picturesque thing in the world you can make it up but uh, the sun was going down and i don't ride at night so uh, i set up camp uh, next to a beached tugboat just a random like perfectly formed tugboat that was just beached on the on on, on the beach it was, it was like something out of a movie and uh, it's a bright full moon uh, shining right above it. And uh, I, I just had a moment of like, this is the best thing. This is the best thing until 3 a.m. <laughs> 3 a.m. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of visible from the road for once. 3 a.m. Nothing but moonlight. Uh, there's a black, really nice truck that comes up uh, on the road and stops right next to my campsite. <laughs> it's all blacked out. It's got tinted windows and everything. I, I'm going like, oh, Lord, you coming. It's all returning from Mexico now. Yeah, this, I was like, oh, no. Big guy gets out, pulls out his phone, takes a photo of the, of the, the tugboat, looks over at me, double take, looks over at me, sees the bike. He goes, hey, man, hey, man, you awake? And I go like, yeah, how can I help you, sir? <laughs> and he's like, you ride this here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I rode that bike all the way from Los Angeles. He's like, you're a badass. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't know if we were supposed to swear or not. Uh, goes, Go in the, goes in the truck, grabs me a beer. And we like share a beer on this beach. He's speaking broken English. I'm speaking broken Spanish. His name is Joe. Uh, we had this like conversation. He like, talks about all these bikes he used to ride. He goes, like, enjoy your ride. And he just takes off. And, and like, I, I get back to my tent. And all I can say over and over again is, I love Mexico. I love Mexico. That was the scariest thing that could have gone way off the rails. And it. Yeah, and it ended up being really cool, like as cool as you could ever imagine. So I, I, I felt that really hard. Okay, that's an awesome story. That is awesome, man. Now I want to be remote and take two months off in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been everything. Everything was reasonably priced. Everyone was kind. Um, uh, the border's a little bit stressful. Um, uh, just a lot of you know everyone everyone's got kind of a grift closer to the border because there's a lot of like economic disparity between the two populations. But once you get a little bit further South, there's coastal towns that just don't see that much tourist action and they're happy to have you. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I don't know if you've ever been to Mexico, Greg. Um, yeah. The people are just friendly, right? Food's great. Uh, great atmosphere. Oh yeah. I've been once. I loved it. Um, can't wait to go back. Yeah, I, I, after that experience, I started seriously considering. Hey, you know, uh, a house in Mexico doesn't sound that bad, honestly. Yeah, that, that's my that's my post F I plan. That sounds amazing, Scott. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, yeah, thank you so on. much. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and. Yeah, this has been another episode of Life, Love, or the Pursuit of Fi, with many more episodes to come with your host, Austin Colt. And Greg Gaskin. And our special guest, Scott. Thanks, the man. Scott.
Kumeth the Legend. 